HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, makers of specialty cheese from Switzerland, crafted with heart and passion. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. That's E-M-M-I-U-S-A.com. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is David Choi. We'll talk to David about wine and TikTok. We'll taste a Magna Carta Red from Napa for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Though born in L.A., David Choi grew up in D.C. and eventually set roots again, literally in California. David is proprietor at Magna Carta Cellars and Angel Falls Wines. He came through the ranks in wine retail, import, and distribution before making his own wines. Savvy in social media, David found his way onto TikTok and has now become one of the early wine sensations on the platform with Wine with David. Welcome to the Grape Nation, David. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. David, we're talking to you remotely via Zencaster. Where are you physically right now? Right now, I'm on the East Coast. Uh, I'm in D.C. right now. Okay, which is uh, an important part of your life and your past and your present. Yep. All right. So, David, to give our listeners a little context, give me a brief timeline, a brief background on your journey in life and wine that got you to Magna Carta, to Angel Falls, and you know, now TikTok. Sure, sure. Uh, so, the history of wine really begins, I guess, around in 09, middle of late 09. Um, I got an opportunity to be in a retail store, you know, and, you know, really had a decade run there. Uh, but during that time, I, you know, moved forward into looking into more import distribution at that time, just because in D.C. I was able to go direct with a lot of wineries that weren't being represented there. Um, and I was there for a couple of years. But during that time, I had already had my eyes open um, about producing my own wine. So it was sort of 
in the works the whole time. It was just, right. as you know, it's a slow build <laughs> having your right. own winery. Um, right. You can't just produce a wine and get it out. It takes years, you know, before it actually gets released. So I had to have the plans for it, um, you know, to, to go through that. And then from there, um, I would say about, you know, a year and a half ago, um, it was really in New York. I was shooting some content uh, with some food uh, influencers on their YouTube channel. And I took them into Astor Wines and, you know, really, you know, it, I saw how <laughs> they were just, you know, so confused, um, you know, for even someone as experienced as they are in, in, in social media. Um, and really at that time, it, a light bulb went off and I said, you know, there's a gap um, between, you know, generations right now and, you know, wine drinkers and really wanted to, you know, really get into that and break it down for them. Um, you know, without having it all go over their heads. Wait, when did you say that was a couple of years ago? Yeah, this was uh, literally, actually, this was a year ago. Uh, okay. When I was there in New York, uh, it was January, it was January, you know, last year. All right. So let me, good timeline that sets up everything. Let me ask you a few questions. Sure. Um, before 09, the retail store, I mean, were you tooling around? What were you doing? So my wine, my uh, real wine journey really begins, you know, when I was probably 14, 15. I mean, really, that's when I, you know, first was introduced to wine, I, maybe a little bit younger, but that's my first memories of it really was around family. Um, you know, okay. when, you know, we came from humble beginnings. We did, we weren't drinking wine with, you know, dinners or, you know, things like that. Um, it was more so of like, family gatherings, friends gatherings, you know, celebrations like birthday parties or going to a steakhouse. Um, we would always order wine and generally it was always a Bordeaux. And so for me, you know, you know, even I didn't know it then. Right. But my family was like, Bordeaux is the best wine. It's just the West. You know, it's, they make the best. So you, you cut know, your reps. teeth, you cut your teeth and your exposure was Bordeaux and almost in a way like champagne, it was like a celebratory thing, right? Like for a big meal or when you went out. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, so for me, wine brought memories and those experiences of bringing people together, right? Like that's, that's what wine meant to me. Man, right? that's what it, that's what it's all about. You know? Exactly. All yeah. right. So, um, we'll get to the, uh, you know, a little down the road, I want to get to that uh, trip into Aster that kind of, you know, launched a lot of stuff. But first, I want to talk to you, you know, about your wineries, because I know you're, you know, very consumed with them. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, when you realized you wanted to make wine. But, you know, why? You know, you sit there and go, gee, you know, I've I've worked the whole thing. And, you know, I'll try to make wine. So why? I mean, is, is every, like every sommelier, every retailer, every distributor, I mean, is it their goal to make wine? Why did you want to do it? So, <laughs> you know, being in retail, it was funny. Being in retail, I learned, you know, how to sell wine. And I knew the feedback and data of what, what consumers wanted, right? You know, just, you know, on a personal level, just asking them questions and getting to know them, building relationships and, you know, seeing where their palates were. Um, that you first were paying year, attention. I was, I was doing my work, you know, I yeah. wanted to learn, you know, and uh, it's all part of it, you know, any industry, anything you do, you want to get better at. Right. And so uh, the first, I think it was about first eight months I was at Pearson's, um, 
Jorge Ordonez, um, you know, came to me and invited me on his death march to Spain for 10 days. Um, and which was like, for me, a great opportunity. I was new. Um, I was new in, in you know, in wine, but he, he brought me along. And was that I your went, first like wine market trip? Yes. Why do you think, why do you think he picked this young, you know, nerdy neophyte wine guy? I have no idea, but uh, you okay. know, Fair I answer. have no idea. Um, uh, but I thought they, I think he saw the potential and it was also the distributor at that time, um, saw the potential of my, you know, myself and, you know, you know, how, what, you know, the potential of like what I can do for, for wine, I guess, you know, um, I was, I was really mm -hmm. eager and learning. I was tasting everything. I wanted to learn everything you could know about wine. Um, and he brought me along on that trip and, you know, really opened my eyes up to the art of wine, you know, from the ground up really. Right. So you you, know, your, your first trip resonated with you. It, it meant everything at that, you know, oh. it really did. Um, you know, it, it showed me everything that I wanted. Um, I wasn't a poet, you know, I right. wasn't a lyricist or a singer, you know, I didn't, you know, and, but I always had a passion uh, for the art, you know, and I, and at that time, you know, I was sort of starting to learn, I had a pretty good palate, you know, um, and just seeing that I said, you know, it really, it really hit me. And I said, you know, this is my art. You know, I think I can do something like this. But at that time, I had no idea how to do any of it. Yeah, I you mean, know? that was that was incredibly early on. Um, so that market trip right out of the chute had an incredible, you know, impact on what you do. So let's, you know, let's jump ahead because we talked about your timeline a little. How does Magna Carta come about? You know, we know early on that this is something you want to do. Time goes by, you get yourself a lot of experience. How do you start putting a winery and then, I don't mean a winery, the facility, but the idea of making wines and the brand of Magna Carta together? Yeah. Um, you know, I was spending a lot of time at Bordeaux uh, for a couple of years, uh, just learning, you know, working with different, you know, chateaus and just seeing their, um, their process, um, of grape growing, you know, meeting the winemakers, just seeing all the, you know, the technical aspects of what they were doing. Um, you know, and I, I really wanted to bring a lot of the old world into the new world, um, you know, and bring that in. And there was no better place than to do it in Napa, uh, right. you know, consistent weather, you know, a lot of always, parallels, right? Yeah. High quality, you know, you know, high quality grapes. And it was just some that was there. Um, and, you know, at the time I'd, I'd really, um, you know, grown a relationship with Peter Heights, um, of Turnbull. Um, and we became really good friends and, you Is know, that, I went, was that relationship through previous business and all of that? It was, uh, he, he came to the store, um, he right. was doing market trips into DC. I mean, he doesn't, he rarely does it, but they, right. he did it on like one occasion. And then, you know, we met and he actually ended up, uh, we ended up going to dinner. Uh, one of the, uh, the distributor managers actually ended up breaking his thumb by slamming the door. Car door right. Right. So it was a memorable. <laughs> right. You'll <laughs> always remember him. that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. So Peter from, is from yeah. the Heights Martha's Vineyard family, right? A descendant? He is not. He is not. He's not. He's a different that. one? He is. He is. Uh, ah, I guess my bad. A few Heights. Uh, but, okay. you know. He is, but he was born in the vineyards. <laughs> right. Know, no, he, he has, was, he has, you know, a good background. I know that. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know. So Peter you know, is Peter's in DC, mm-hmm. and you have dinner with him, and somebody slams a car door on somebody's thumb. What happens? You and him start plotting about, hey, let's make wine. Uh, I brought the idea up to him, right? Okay. You know, I was like, I'm really interested, you know, in producing wine, uh, a Bordeaux blend from Napa, um, a left bank, you know, cab based uh, Bordeaux wine, and you know, he said, sure come out let's go take a look at some vineyards you know uh you know and for me you know i was very inexperienced i would say i, I was young i was right. like you know i just want you know i, I want beckstoffer you know right. <laughs> you know, look, right. you, know you just go Tocalan for the line or whatever yeah. yes yes yeah. and so we went out there we saw the different vineyards and we went by beckstoffer uh and he said you know we can get beckstoffer fruit but know that you're getting the last row Right? right. It's like the road next to the, to the gravel roads. And Last you know, there, there's a reason right. that the Schraders and the guys haven't picked it right. up. Right? right. And he, he said one thing that was really telling, and that's what we do today. Uh, he said, do you want to make, you know, do you want to be a marketing wine company or do you want to make real wine? You know, um, you want to be a real winery, just meaning that, you know, I could have put Beckstoffer on it. It may not have been the highest quality, but it's still Beckstoffer. Right. Or, Wait, the Beckstoffer asked you that? They said, no, no, do you no. want Peter it? said that. Okay, Peter said right. That. Yeah, it makes Peter sense that. that he said it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter said that. Um, and, you know, is it, do you want to work with, you know, some of these smaller vineyards that the fruit is just beautiful, you know, and you're making real wine, you know, it's, and I said, you know, and I made that choice, right? At that time, I said, it had been great. Um, and maybe down the line, we'll do something like that, but. You right. know, we produce one wine right now at Magna Cara, our proprietary blend. Um, we're looking right. at other vineyards right now. Um, so you contract the- grapes. Yes. And you get grapes from various sites, you know, where you said Peter helps you identify around the Napa area, right? Yeah. I mean, all over. We're in Carneros, uh, Stag's Leap. Um, primarily, um, our cab is all Oakville you know so then- good very good hybrid um let me ask you this i mean i ask virtually every guest this i mean you've talked about you know making a handcrafted wine with an artisanal approach tell me a couple of things talk to me about vineyard practices and talk to me about cellar practices and my eye is towards you know sustainability you know organics you know, or anything near to that, you know, sustainability is one thing. I mean, you could recycle your boxes. What you do with the soil is another thing. How do you approach that, you know, with your vineyard partners? And then what's Peter doing in the cellar? Is he, you know, lower intervention? What? Talk to me a little about that in your winemaking. Yeah. I mean, everything is really clean. Uh, we're, we're sustainably, uh, you know, right there. It's not, everything isn't certified, I would say. Right. But I mean, everything we do is right on par of being like natural, organic, you know, um, right. you know, and everything that we're doing. I mean, it's super important for us. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of wine that's made, um, you know, in Napa. I would say there's a lot that that's the same way. But you know, outside of it, there there could be other practices. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, to have Peter, you know, who's leading the charge in all this, um, you know, and so he, you know, it's funny he sees all the you know, the natural wines and everything that's happening now. Um, And while we can't say we're exactly all natural wines, he said, you know, everything that we're doing is super clean. Um, You know, we're right there. Um, So so when he, 
Yeah. When he's looking at vineyards, you know, your contracts and partners, exactly. yeah. he's looking for guys, you know, with practices that haven't been killing, you know, the land. Yes. What about, you know, he's a savvy, experienced winemaker. You know, what about in the cellar? I mean, a lot of Napa wines and you and I could roll off three, four brands that, you know, consistently taste similar year in, year out, um, where it's manipulated in the cellar. What are you guys doing in the cellar? I mean, there's in the cellar, you know, it all comes down to the grapes, right? Um, so right. it's not about manipulating it. It's let, letting, you know, as long as you have the high quality fruit, you know, you're letting them do sort of their thing, right? right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, once it gets to that point, you know, it's all about the growing season and during the harvest. And then once from there, it's, you know, it, it's, it's the same process that we always go through year after year. There's nothing right. manipulating it. Um, and we've been very fortunate. I mean, you know, I, I lost 2020, right, with the fires. 2021 right. is a smaller Wait, vintage. Wait, you particularly got hit because not yeah, everybody I mean, did. So you have no yeah. 2020 vintage? I don't. No, okay. we ended up Sorry uh, to hear that. passing along on it just because uh, there was taint. It wasn't, to be honest, it wouldn't have been noticeable, but we saw it in it. Um, you know, and I, I know said, Schaefer did the same thing. You know, you yeah. don't want to screw a reputation up by taking yeah. a chance. You know, I mean, the levels were it, we just didn't appreciate. No, you know, I don't think the consumer would have noticed, but like uh, for us, it, we just didn't feel. You know, we just didn't feel it. It was better for us to pass on it. You know, it, you know, it sucks, but you know, we we understood what was happening. Uh, twenty, you know, uh, the twenty one vintage is great, high quality, small berries. It was a small uh harvest but really concentrated so we're excited about that and our 19 that we had bottled last year is really great as well and you know um 19 is great because it was really a lot of good fruit really elegant you know it's it's fun right. that you taste and you're like wow uh it could be released right now um but you know it, our practice it was a good vintage year right 19 yeah, yeah yeah it was you know but our practice is to releasing later our 16 we're almost you know sold out of uh we release later just because you know what we do is I want you to purchase a bottle of Magna Carta and know that you don't have to sit in your cellar for two years, right? Like you can open it up right. and enjoy it. Uh, you know, and that's why, you know, we do release later than, um, you know, other wineries, you know. So, so how much, how much wine are you making approximately? So we're doing currently about 650 cases. Um, okay. And, and where's so, most of that going? Mailing list, retail, yeah. uh, restaurants? Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, mostly mailing list, um, you know, that we've built and restaurants. Um, we did a little bit of retail, but it's right. it's just you, you know don't it's need very to. selective. Yeah. Do you have any plans to add to the lineup, or you want to stay, you know, with a singular left bank Bordeaux? Um, we're talking right. about it. Uh, so we're deciding upon if so. We have some, we have some, you know, um, options right now for some Pinot, um, okay. like a single vineyard Pinot. Uh, from Santa Lucia that, that, you know, as well as Santa Rita Hills and wanted to see if we're adding that to Magna Carta line, but we do have Angel Falls. Let's talk about Angel Falls. So Angel Falls is a different project in many ways, right? It's sort of an opportunity for you to spread your wings, no pun intended, angel (laughs) wings, you know, with more varietals and regions. Um, tell me, Tell me how Angel Falls came about. I mean, is that because you have such a deep interest in love and wine and you're making one varietal? So you get going batshit and like, I got to do something. How does that come about? I I think a lot of it was the different trips I've taken and just seeing the different areas and just knowing that, 
you know, it, that there's a lot of great wine um, that that could be made and that can, you know, that's out there. Um, Angel Falls came about, you know, I think like 2012. Uh, wow. You know, uh, uh, I, you, I think you know him, Peter Stoltman. Um, I know actually, Peter well. You know, we interviewed him at the end of last year. Yeah, him and his father. He's, they're they're great, and Ruben and everybody, their whole team there. Um, Peter went. You know, to, I, uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was out there, and he gave me. You know, I went up to the old man's house, and they gave us a tour of the vineyards and everything. And I, you know, there, there's so much going on there. You know, Rhone varietals, their own stuff. I swear, who does Ruben work for? The Stoltmans. I think so. I think because I think he said right here, this lot. This is our like Angel Falls project or something. I, I think you know, and it, it didn't didn't mean anything to me. Then you know, when I started talking to you, I'm like, wait a second, you know, this all ties together. Um, yeah, I think it may have been that. But yeah, I mean, when we talk about farming practices, organics, I mean, the Stoltmans oh. are you know very much you know with that. All right, so I didn't mean to interrupt. They're on top of the game of that. They're yeah. on top of the game, you know. Uh, so but- the first wines or the first wine was a Syrah. It was. It was a Syrah. And at that time, I was drinking all sort of Northern Rhone style <laughs> Syrahs at the time. I was on the sort of a kick on that. And Is I that because you, you wanted to and you liked it or it was research it. or a little of both? You loved no, it. No, no, no. I loved it at that time. Everything right. I was drinking was like anything that was like Rhone. Like I was really into it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. But just back Tinsley, up for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back <laughs> up for a second. Yeah. And how did you come to the Stoltmans? So Peter ended up going to Georgetown University, which was down the street of the store. So he he knew about the store and then he did a market visit and he came by um, and we sort of just hit it off, um, you know, from there. And then, you know, I talked to him and, you know, I said, hey, like, love your Syrahs. You know, obviously we're doing well with them here. Um, You know, is there any way, do you have any extra you know, grapes or anything that I could do a small little thing here and maybe just do an in-store, you know, exclusive thing that right. I could sell here. And he said, yeah, let's, <laughs> you know, he's like, I-, I think we did about like 85 cases. Uh, we did the Angel Falls Syrah um, and we we brought it in store. Um, he had like a couple of barrels left over, you know, and that he was like, we can put it together with that. And we brought it in. I think we sold out of it like, you know, two, three weeks, you know, I was like, Oh man, this is really something. Um, so it was, a it was, it was a really, tell me this project. was the concept. Was that the idea in the launch of angel falls or the concept existed? And that was the beginning of putting the pieces together. That was really the beginning of putting the pieces together. Okay. Uh, I didn't really know about the winery aspect of what I was building. Um, right. I was still like really into retail, right. Um, at that time, And so I didn't, you know, but that opened my eyes to basically, oh, maybe, you know, this, you know, I can have my own, you know, uh, winery and build my own, my own wines and take it out there. Um, Because, uh, you know, people were appreciating, you know, they understood it. And, you know, Angel Falls is always that I think we were selling, you know, it was like, you know, Syrah was $20, you know, at that time. The line Um, is very value uh, oriented. Exactly. And, and we're trying to bring that everywhere. I mean, right now we do Angel Falls, we do a Sancerre. Uh, you know, I met the Fournier family years back, um, you know, and, and they've been instrumental in introducing me to some uh, small vineyards out there uh, that, you know, and, and, you know, a winemaker that can help me produce, you know, something from Sancerre from Loire Valley, 
you know, I right. don't do a lot of cases sunset, but the terrain that we do out there um, is is really awesome. Um, and I, for like fifteen, so you're doing Sancerre really Sauvignon Blanc. You did the Syrah. You're also doing Pinot and Chard. We we've done a Pinot. Um, you know, some of the vineyards were you know that we were working with. There were larger vineyards, and for us, we weren't getting the same consistent quality from them. It wasn't contractual, like uh, a certain plot or a certain designated area. It was more done by like tons of grapes that they had. Right. Um, and so some of the years that weren't as great, um, down there and, you know, in that area, just, it didn't work out and it just wasn't consistent. Um, and so, you know, we're looking, but, you know, for me, it's, it's about sort of, you know, like you said, the practices, but it's also about the consistency of what we're getting, you know, the quality can't dip, uh, you know, up and down. It's just not fair. Um, I would say. So based on that. What's reoccurring from Angel Falls? Syrah, the Sancerre or Sauvignon Blanc? Yeah, Loire Valley the, is definitely consistent. The Loire um, and the Syrah are always going to be there. That's yeah, the Syrah we've held off on uh, the last couple of years. Uh, Peter's okay. grown his program a ton. Um, and so, you know, a lot, he's, he's been, you know, he has a lot of new wines that he's brought out. Um, right. And so right now it would just be the Sauvignon Blanc um, that we've been working with from Terrain and Sancerre. Okay, good to know. Um, most of that wine is available where online. Uh, yeah, it's retail, all yeah. Angel Falls. Okay. Yeah, just on our. And website. at the end of the show, we'll tell people uh, where to go um, for Angel Falls and Magna Carta wines. Um, let's switch gears here. Um, I want to get into a bunch of you know subjects that tie all together. Um, you and I know there's historically been a certain snobbery and gatekeeping with wine in doing the show during the pandemic. I mean, that whole thing blew up. I mean, a lot of people in the business wrote about it, documented, lived through it. Um, I think, because I've always been into it, social media has done a good job democratizing wine, diversifying it, and demystifying it. You know, I think you and I, me, because I'm older, we've seen social media go from just plain blogging to crazy posting um, to influencer marketing to video, you know, TikTok, you know, on so many platforms. Give me your take um, on the effects of social media and the effects it's having on, you know, wine today. Sure. Because I think what you're seeing today is even different, you know, than back in 09 when you were at Pearson's and cutting your teeth. Completely. How do you see, do yeah. you see it? Yeah. I mean, back there in 09, there, the only way you would bring up the next generation of uh, like wine enthusiasts would be in the retail store, right? Uh, someone that you can trust that you would taste the wine or they would recommend a bottle, you know, and that you would take it home and love it. Um, you know, if, most of them weren't even then. I mean, some of them were, if they really wanted to get into it, was reading what, like Robert Parker, right. you know, it Spectator. Was but very limited. But score-based. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and they were dominated by, you know, a corporate like, magazine or brands. a single guy. Right. Exactly. Big brands at that time or, you know, whoever the marketing <laughs> teams were right. or wineries. But, you know, it's changed now where – you know, I think we're seeing the next generation drinkers really eager about learning wine and they are coming to social media for that, right? So what we're, what I was able to do before 
was in the store, I was able to find out what you really liked, you know, what you had tried before, what you're really into now, and then help sort of take those next steps, right? You enjoy this now, try this. Maybe it'll, you know, open your palate for something else. But right now we're getting it back in the community where in the feedback, in the comments of people, right? And we're seeing that, um, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of sort of the demographic of, uh, you know, sort of my community right now, they enjoy sweet red wines, right? Um, and so- like, like the prisoner, residual sugar, blends, all that, right? And maybe like, uh, yes, a lot of residual sugar. Um, and right. that's what they're enjoying now. And prisoner maybe there's a lot of fruit in prisoner, right? Yeah, um, no, so it's not a bad example of what people want. Yeah, yeah. But it's and got so, residual sugar. It does, it does. And yeah. that's what they're looking for, which is very interesting to me, right? Because I Why? was a lot of old world wine, right? Like not the residual sugar. It's right. more like, you know, a, you know, a lot of fruit, I would say. Graphite, like pencil shaving, fruit, saddle, exactly. you know, all the nuances. Exactly. So I'm learning as well. To be honest, I'm going back tasting a ton of wines that, you know, I'm tasting a ton of wines that I tasted, you know, 15 years ago, which is, which is fun. Uh, but I'm tasting new wines that I never thought I would enjoy as well. Right. Um, right. you know, I, I've had Lambrusco before, but Lambrusco is coming up. Like, it, it's interesting how many people, you know, when I do sparklings, they say, you know, um, uh, and I'm, and I'm recommending it now a, a lot more than I ever did before. David, true or false. It's pretty damn good with pizza, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So, so social media has opened up the market, you know, to more people. It's become less dependent on those few, right? Um, But you made a good point because the people that are using it, they like certain type of wines. Um, Do you think, you know, that segment that pays attention to social media and wines on social media, do you think? They're, you know, intent on those residual sugar wines or they want more. They want to know more about the story or the sustainable practices. I mean, is social media helping that? Yeah, I think they want to learn all about it. So they would like to consume all of it. So it's not just about, you know, um, the style of wine. It's the story behind it, right? Um, Who they want to invest in. Right. And then it's also what are the practices, right? Um, How are they producing this? Because that's a big thing. Uh, not just in wine and everything now, um, in life. So right? more uh, scrutiny with that than, you know, in previous, you know, it is. Uh, generations or whatever. It is. And I don't think, I, and I, to be honest, I don't think, you know, the wine industry and, and the wineries have done a good job about this, right? Like even in marketing for the next generation of consumers, I don't think, like, I think all wineries have been happy with what they have, you know, uh, and some of them have gone to the distributors who have grown their, you know, grown their share. Um, huge, but, you know, really looking at it, um, in a long-term lens, um, you know, cause a lot of these wineries exit out, they, they, you know, they, you know, so for me, it's a long-term lens of how I can build, uh, my winery for, you know, like a legacy down the line for my kids. Right. Like, what does that look like? Right. Uh, 20 years down the line. Um, right. and so, you know, it's like, you know, where are we going in the industry? Cause it's changing, it's evolving. You know, it's not, it's not exactly the same. Not everybody loves Bordeaux, uh, you know, anymore. Right. They don't want the big reds. Uh, they don't want all those tannins, uh, you know, in the wines, right. which I grew up on. Like I thought tannins. Were right. Good That's wine. how you cut your teeth. <laughs> so did I. I mean, I've moved away from, I still like it, but I've moved away from it. 
Yeah, I like know, softer tans now as well. <laughs> Pinot Noir and Barolo, you know. Yeah. They, they, those Burgundy's are some, my thing. I got yeah, Burgundy I mean, those are some interesting yeah, things. Yeah. But, you know, like like I said, there's been a certain snobbery in gatekeeping. And it seems like Bordeaux and even most of Napa has done very little to kind of reach out to that market. Do you agree? I do. I do. Um, I definitely, you know, where if you look at Burgundy, it's as snobby and as expensive or more than any of those. But more than even Napa and and Bordeaux, I mean, the owners are like farmers. They're out in the field. You know, they're crunchy, dirty guys that'll talk to you out on the farm, which, you know, gives that a little more of a story, right? Yeah, it does. It does. And it's really small, right? Like if you see, if you see, you know, these estates and chateaus, they're, they're tiny, you know, the vineyards are tiny. Uh, Napa's sort of sprawling, uh, you know, and, you know, what you get to learn about Napa once you're in it, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're not really the farmers that Napa was based on. No, uh, they've sort of they, exited out their tech company or this company. And now it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, they got to sort of plug some dollars into something. Right. And I get it, you know, where and, else and, you, and, you want to do it. Years ago, we call it the Parkerization where he loved those big unctuous fruity wines and that's all anybody was making, you know, thank God there's some people still making it, but a lot of people, you know, changing up the styles. Um, let me, let me ask you this before we take a break. Were you and how were you using social media before you really locked into TikTok? I mean, was that something you were using regularly and practicing, you know, as we best as you could? Or Yeah, we were experimenting it w- with it. Um, you know, we, we had done different longer form like YouTube uh, type things. But what we learned was a lot of people in wine do the same thing, you know, where it's a longer form. But you sort of lose interest in it, right? You know, right. <laughs> you know, watching it. It's not, it's not as good uh, content. You, you realize say. that? I mean, you as a consumer said, wait, this is either too long or too boring. I mean, was that evident to you? Yeah, I was looking at it. You know, I was looking at it and, you know, it wasn't as exciting to me watching it, you know, and I was like, I love this stuff and I should be excited about it. It wasn't as good as some, a lot of the, the food content or, you know, there's a lot of different things, right, uh, that you can consume. And so for us, it was how do we make it exciting or make it entertaining for people to actually right. watch it and gain value from it, obviously, right? right? Well, so, you know, so how do we we're put gonna, that together? We're going to get into that with TikTok. But tell me why I'm wasting an hour of people's time blathering with you um, when it should be a shorter interview. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I was going to say, there's yeah, a lot no, that I'm we're just, bringing a ton of No, value. no, I mean, that podcast <laughs> podcast can be, you know, short bursts of fun stuff. But the nice thing is you could really sit down with people like you and, you know, get into some depth and people could take it, you know, as it is. I could see the difference, you know, with yeah. Instagram well, uh, you know, stories or TikTok for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that this, like all the content of wine that I've seen before was really just wine reviews, right? Like, so, you know, you, you can only get so much of those. Yeah. All right. Perfect time to take a break. We're talking to David Choi. David Choi is the proprietor of Magna Carta Cellars and Angel Falls Wines. He is also uh, made some hay and some noise on TikTok, which, and when we come back from our break, we're going to get into that a little more. You're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by Emmy Cheese. 
makers of specialty cheese from Switzerland, crafted with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere in the United States. But that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmiusa.com. That's E-M-M-I-U-S-A.com. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, David Choi. David Choi is a winemaker, makes a Napa uh, Bordeaux uh, type wine called Magna Carta, and he's making uh, at Angel Falls uh, Sancier, and he's made some Syrah and a few other wines. And what came to my attention on top of all of that was David found his way into TikTok. And wine is pretty, it, it's pretty well developed in a lot of social mediums. You know, you see everybody posting wine bottles and parties. You see blogging, all the stuff that I talked about. But David, you got into TikTok. Let's talk about that. I mean, you may have mentioned it. I mean, the the Aster wine story may be the answer, but what attracted you specifically to the medium and ultimately, why do you put most of your energy there versus other platforms? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. It just seemed, you know, I, I think where we were in the space of uh, social media platforms, I think it was the right time. You know, it, it, I wouldn't say I was, you know, one of the, I was one of the probably early uh, influencers in the space, but like, you know, there were other people already doing it. I, I think at that time, uh, Instagram had sort of matured and it was just different. It wasn't bringing the value, I thought, um, right. the same thing that TikTok was doing um, and gave me the platform. Right. It was the next to, better thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, something that you had to be on the fly for about 20 seconds, which really hit at that time, you know, gather, you know, bring all your value, but, you know, put it all to pull it all together basically in 20 seconds is the way I looked at it. Right. Um, and you know, and, and to be able to deliver. And so, yeah, I mean, wait, when you say that you're saying deliver your message on the platform in 20 seconds. Yeah. So your end, we'll get into it, but your presentation on TikTok is, you know, very fast burst, you know, get to the point with very specific information quickly. Right. Yep, that's what the way we were looking at. I think it was, you know, 20, 25 and, seconds, right? And TikTok is, like, is, is, you know, better than stories or YouTube, obviously, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the way that we saw it, and obviously we tested it out um, and we shared it along. Once, um, you know, once we, we saw, what we saw was correlation once it hit from TikTok and then once we put it on like an Instagram Reels. Uh, you know, it, it did it did well. Um, it's just right. two, It's just two different communities, we thought. You know, and the, the way that we saw I, it. I, I agree, and I want to get into the communities. But answer this for me and, and tell me the truth here. You know, I'm looking in your eyes, and I could tell if you're telling me the truth or not. Um, how much 
of a user of TikTok were you before you really jumped into this? I was I, I was on it. Um, you were? You know, I was yes. Uh, I mean, I was following a lot of people. Um, you know, wine um, people or just in general. Uh, a lot more in the food space, I would say. Okay, uh, I was watching a lot more uh, food, and you know, a lot big of big food trends. space. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I like. Uh, I wasn't following as much wine because uh, uh, you know I'm in it myself, um, and I was I was seeing some people uh, what what they were doing, but I, I I like watching under industries on how they sort of market what they do. Right, um, and so I look at that and I said, you know, what can I do with that in wine? And so you know, that's you know, uh, you know, early on we're really active um, on every platform, you know, just seeing what's going on. Right. The right formula is the right formula, whether it's food or wine. Um, who, who do you see as the core audience of TikTok and who do you see? Is that your audience? I mean, TikTok, and, and this is kind of a contrived leading question, but the perception of TikTok is it's very young. Um, I mean, who do you see as that audience and is that, you know, working for you? A lot of their audience isn't even legal to buy or drink wine. Yeah. I mean, for me, sort of the community that I have is about 25 to 30, I would say. Like, actually, it's, I would say it's about 21 to 30 or 21 to 28, 29. You know, um, what we have found, you know, uh, we do well on it just because of the variety of wines we we taste on and different price ranges, right? Um, we, we try to do stuff that are in the value price point um, and tasting different things that we know that compare, um, you know, with different foods, uh, foods that they would try today, like hot Cheetos and different things like that. Right. Right. Uh, I, you know, the Riesling and hot Cheetos thing is like, you know, so content, content, mm-hmm. like anything, you know, yeah. I've, I've watched, you know, virtually every, TikTok and you know the audience has been anywhere from you know a little under 10,000 I think that Drake thing was 500,000 or whatever um and then when you look at the wine presentations um the audience varies I mean I could put every famous big nap and bordeaux guy on this show and you know get the audience but that that's not what this is about um you sort of have a not what's right policy, but what works philosophy on TikTok, right? Yeah, I mean, we're always so explain how you choose things. topics and you know how you go about. Yeah, I mean, we try it out by looking at everything as a series. Um, so, you know, one of the best series that we do is if you love, and we put three fruits together: if you love strawberries, cherries, and you know blueberries, right? And right. we would say your wine is. And so, you know, that series just puts things that people love, right, already, and then puts it in context with wine, right? You make it relatable. Yeah. And so, you know, it puts it together where they didn't think about that before, right? Um, Right. And, you know, they would come back to me and say, we love love oranges or we love green apples, right? Um, What would my wine be? And, you know, we try, we draw that just so we can attract them into wine, right? If they're not a wine fan now, but something that they, we can, you know, get them to learn, um, bring some value to them while, you know, getting something new, um, you know, uh, wine, you know, what we also found was, you know, most people don't 
thoroughly enjoy wine till they're about 28 years old. You know, that's when the level of wine like experience is really gross. Is you that because they don't, they don't get it or it's not what they expected? What do you think it is? I don't know. I, I think it's, it's like how wine is perceived, right? Like I wine guess, isn't yeah. like tequila or vodka where it's like we go out to the bar or to the club you know, um, and we drink, you know, we drink wine. You don't, you know, most people don't. It's like you get older and you're like, oh, we're going with a night out to dinner, right? And we're going to enjoy some wine. So I think, you know, that level sort of changes of age um, as they get older. And so for us, you know, what we said, you know, and I've spoke to, you know, the people around me, I said, you know, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I'm older now. Now I, I can drink right. wine. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, yeah. you know, because like, you know, think about it. In the old world, you go to Italy or France, they have it on the table. You're sipping on it when you're young, you know, starting right. very young. It's called right? it's it's part, part of your life, life and culture. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. part of the life. And it's part of the culture, like you said, and the lifestyle. And so there's no reason that it shouldn't be done here. Uh, but wine is just perceived like, you know, you have a pothic or something, right? Like you just, you know, they just throw it you out. You hate like a pothic, like, right? Uh, I wouldn't uh, use the word hate. A pothic doesn't stand for what you're trying to do. It doesn't. Uh, but yeah. there's a lot of people. Uh, we've done some apothic stuff and uh, there's a lot of people that enjoy it. Um, and so, right. you, you can't know, deny they, that. They, they've done a great job um, in what right. they have done, right? right. Um, but it's not my cup of tea. Right. It's not the wine that I go and purchase, uh, but, you know, it's, it's. And you're not afraid to, uh, you know, talk about that. I mean, I think you're doing, you know, at least a handful of things. You're definitely doing pairings. You know, you alluded to Riesling and uh, Cheetos and there are other pairing things. You're doing picks. You know, if you like Chardonnay and you're very specific about um you know, specific brands. And I think you're trying to show the consumer um, value. I mean, those are the things you concentrate on, right? Yeah. I mean, it's really important to bring the value, Um, you know, and I think we're evolving as well, right? Um, Of course. and, And I think that there, you know, a lot of what we did was you know, within the community, it's it's what they wanted, right? They, but they knew a lot of the bigger, the bigger brands, right? Uh, like right. these machines, but they don't know a lot of the small vineyards, you know, that that produce the same amount of quality, you know. So how do you how, how, how do you go about that? Just because of your many years in retail and your understanding of making wine, you know, you feel you can scour the market and bring. Uh, these wine suggestions to people without any real agenda other than value to the consumer? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, I also want them to learn about other regions that they wouldn't normally think about as well. Right. And and know that there is great wine being produced there. Um, you know, the, you know, the background of a lot of the wines that I taste are from a lot of it are from the days of, yeah, when I was in the retail store, you know, right. and, and a lot of those wines are still consistent, even though I haven't had them in, you know, five, six years, seven years, or a decade, they're still consistent today, which has been phenomenal, which is great because it it also means that I was doing a great service at that time, you know, knowing and choosing these wines, right? And now it's still really consistent, good, brings all that value even now. And so it's, you know, it's been, it's been fun. Um, You know, it's been fun to do. It's been a lot of, 
one did you did you find a sweet spot like did you you know you've done a lot of this and you know you've delved into and recommended a lot of wines is there a sweet spot that if you go below a certain point you're just not going to find the quality to the value and if you spend too much it's not worth it i mean do a lot of these wines fall into a range or not necessarily no i wouldn't say necessarily uh i I don't think i'd look at wines as a like just in a price range category like base because it's different depending on what region you yeah it depends on what region you're getting it from right like i mean you know and like you know the producer um you know it it, so i i think just uh, basing it on 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 price points would be uh it just wouldn't be right it wouldn't be correct yeah there's value in champagne but it's not going to be as cheap as you know uh new zealand you know sauvignon blanc um how frequently do you post we're posting probably every day um, you know, we took a little bit of break during the holidays. Just to did you ramp up to every day, or you hit the ground running near every day? Uh, we've been we've been we've been shooting almost daily. I would say, um, and putting together content and getting it out daily. Right. Um, I mentioned to you off air. I want you to do our wine list, and I you know, coaxed you to get me some wine so that we could taste and talk about it. So I want to leave time for that. Um, Help me with this. You know, we know the beauty of social media is that the point of entry is not difficult. I mean, it's like turning on an app and the cost, you know, could and is minimal. Um, You're, you know, down the road a little bit on this. Give my listeners some advice how, you know, they could make social media or even like a TikTok work for them. What are the tenets of what you're doing, you know, that make it successful? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's, you can't ever make it perfect. You just got to sort of go out and just don't do fixate it. on that perfection. Yeah, right. Especially if it's of something of real interest to you and you have a passion for it. Right. Okay. And you want to have sort of a voice and, you know, meaning that you want to, there's something that you can deliver a message of value to somebody, um, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And, but you do have to be consistent, I would say. Like, and you can't. And how do you define consistent? Messaging, just, posting? Yeah, both. Um, you know, delivering a, a message of value uh, to someone, but also consistently delivering it, right? And even right. if your first 10, 20, 30 posts, really don't gather a following, you just got to stick with it. I mean, it, it takes a while to build it up, right? Um, Patience. Yeah. I mean, there's an algorithm that plays in all of this as well, right? That nobody right. knows about. And so it's really just, if it's something you love, um, you just, you just, you just do it. You know, you don't so, mind doing it. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. What else? Any, anything else you could think of, you know, that you attribute this, you know, doing a good job uh for me it's really about you know it's really about looking at the community in the comments right um and really getting back to them um on what they want obviously there's things so staying connected yeah exactly i mean because there's obviously the the wines that i would want to see probably aren't necessarily the wines that we shoot our content with all the time Right. Right. Um, It's really, but it's what is needed, I would say. Like people have questions and they want somebody to help them. 
right. you know, and, and so you want to be there for them and, you know, um, and answer those questions as, as best as possible. So are you saying that the agenda can be made by what the audience it wants to hear or yearning for or wants to see, you know, it may push you away from what you're thinking because it's important yeah. what they want. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. The community is super important, right? So don't like ag- their voice, don't ignore the community. Yeah. Their voice. I mean, that, that that's what you're doing this for, right? Yep. Like you're, you're trying to bring value to other people that are super interested in what you're doing or the industry that you're in. And you're trying to, you know, help them understand, right? Um, it's, it's sort of what we're doing in wine. It's like the next generation of wine. We're trying to help them understand wine because a lot of right. them just don't understand it. So how can right. we do that? Sometimes we have, for us, we have to simplify what I know about wine into a way that they understand, right? Um, and so you get that and then you can help elevate them to where sort of we are um, in our experiences of wine. Right. But you can't do that until you understand where they're coming from. Right. That's, so, you, yep. you know, so I, I that, agree. That's I mean, that's important that, you know, that's great advice. And you mentioned earlier, I mean, a lot of your TikTok segments are 20 seconds. So you got to be able to get that message out and make the point to those people and react to what they want. All right, David, we do a thing called the wine list we ask every guest every week the same five questions i'm not letting you out of here without the five questions same questions everyone first question is what's david drinking now what's in his fridge what's he experimenting with you know do the seasons change what you're drinking give me a few things you know you're drinking all right um i always have a small grower champagne in the fridge uh and Generally, so I, I I appreciate Andre Clouet. <laughs> I don't know. Spell Clouet for me. C L O U E T. Okay. He's from, uh, you know, um, he's someone that I met a while back. He's a fave too. You like him? Yeah, uh, I love. Okay, that's a good I, I love one. Him. And it's really a uh, his champagne is like thirty five dollars for a small group. So it's great quality, great value. That yeah. those are the answers I'm looking. Give me one more thing you're drinking now. The other one is, uh, you know, right now it's uh, I love Volnay from Burgundy. Um, it's a little bit okay. higher in the price point, but that's that's one that There's I no enjoy. And talking Bar- price point, okay. And Barolo, uh, right now, um, like food wine, Barolo right now is sort of. Uh, I'm with like, you on both thing. of those. So I think for Burgundy, Volnay is interesting, and you know, I've been drinking Barolo forever. I'm kind of finding my footing that I may even like Barbaresco more, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Uh, I've been coming back to Italian wines. So I've been off it, right. It's like a cycle thing for me. It's like, I'm off it for a while. And then I come back. Burgundy is always something that I always have to have in champagne as well. But yeah, you know, uh, know, so I agree with you on all of that. And it's funny because you cut your teeth in Bordeaux and you make a Bordeaux style wine and it's not on the list. That's okay. All right. Uh, I'm tasting a ton of it. You know, I'm tasting a ton of it all the time. I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you answer that question anymore. We're on to the next one. Favorite wine and food pairing. Goofiest question. Not something you eat every night, you know, not something you even eat every month. Not what you think is a good wine and food pairing, but what's your favorite wine and food pairing? Ooh. Okay. Um, I would say one of the more recent ones I shot with content and I was super surprised about it was like we did fried chicken, creme fraiche and caviar. And I did it with a cava and the one bite I had was just absolutely extraordinary. 
Like I, I was like, so wow. I got to agree with you on that because a lot of answers I get is fried foods, mostly fried chicken and champagne. Cava is a sparkling wine. Yep. Um, I think that's great because the sparkler is great with uh, caviar and the fried food. That's a good one. Um, you took the bold leap away from champagne and said caviar. I love you for that. All right. Do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar. Now you can give me DC. You can give me out West. If you mention people, you're not leaving people out. It's just a few things that come to mind. Can you think of anything? Now this is where you walk in and the list is great. The vibe is great. The people are knowledgeable. You feel good. Anything fall under that category? Yeah. I mean, you know, every time, you know, whenever it's, it's, it's press for me and, uh, in St. Okay. In Napa. Napa. Yeah, awesome wine uh, list. the list is great. They have a great by the glass program. Uh, that, a lot that, of you know, that wines. checks all the boxes. Yeah. And the food's great. Of course. You know? Anything, uh, anything like that in DC? Uh, I haven't been out as much in DC to be honest. Okay. Lately. Um, I've been out in the West coast, um, a ton. I just got back in and really haven't really been able to, uh, get out as much um lately but i'm interested to see what's going on because it's been a couple of years okay uh, so it's so uh, press, I, i'm guessing the landscape has changed yeah press is a good answer all right fourth question favorite all-time wine redundancy is one of my great uh attributes Ooh. i initially asked this question you know to find out what's the rarest most expensive wine you ever drank we don't care about that anymore what's that wine that had the most influence on you was special you know maybe was a gateway you know i have a feeling it may be a bordeaux or something but there has to be a wine you know that was just important to you what do, can you recall yeah. you know a wine or two yeah, it's just it's one uh, that when you say that uh, comes to mind, uh, and it's I do a left bank right uh, Bordeaux, right. but it's a right bank that uh, Cheval really, Blanc. yeah, Cheval Blanc, Cheval Blanc. Yeah. Wow, look at you, um, crazy. Yeah, That's I mean, it's one. just the most memorable. I mean, it's the the first. I think it's like it was the first Bordeaux, older Bordeaux that I had that I was like, wow, I've had, uh, I think I've had a lot of Bordeaux where it was over their time. Right. It was really downhill. And like, but this one was still very vibrant for, for the age. And do you uh, remember just, the vintage year? I don't. It was in the eighties though. Okay. So it was an, it was definitely the vintage year was an eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it was still right. very vibrant and it was great. And then yeah, well, years later I was able to actually have dinner inside their like tank room at the at the chateau and stuff so like it just doubled up for me there yeah that that's the way you answer that question all right last question and i don't know if any guest i've ever had can answer this question better than you um you probably are the number one guy who can give the best answer to this question i don't want to create any pressure but the spotlight's on you now. All right. So here's the question. And we talked about this a little about price not being, you know, sort of a measure, but we're coming back to that on this. Recommend to me the best wine around 15, 20, 22 bucks. Recommend a red, recommend a white. You could go category, like you could just say Muscadet, you know, which could be a good value. Sauvignon Blanc's a good value. Uh, you can give me makers, you can give me regions. You know, we know sure. the Loire has some values. What do you think about when you think about that, you know, range? Think think of a white, think of a red. 
Yeah. Uh, for a white, I think terrains are great uh, okay. for me. Uh, just the, you know, if you get a good, you know, around $15, $17, the complexity in it's great. Um, and you get Can some Can you think of a maker? Of, Does a maker come to mind? Um, I don't know. I've tasted a lot of them. Um, and All right. Really but small. terrain, you know, the, the read the area. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, because like, I think if even if you're in New Zealand, somebody on Blanc drinker, um, there's terrains that actually have like notes of uh, New Zealand style, even though like there's a lot of Flinty um, style as well. Um, but like, I, I think it hits a lot of different Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. Um, for uh, a red, it's actually one that I tasted the other day. And I was super surprised. It was a it? it was a 2019 Decoy Limited Cabernet. Really? Uh, from Napa Valley. Yeah, I'm not a very big decoy fan at all. That's the Duckhorn uh, people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's their blue label that they had, and it was $24. I tried it, um, and really for $24 for a Napa, like it was it was soft and elegant on the tens. It wasn't like over the top. Uh, so it was like something that I really jo- enjoyed um, with the fruits on it and was really surprised. Um, I, I think that more so... That's a good, uh, that's a good example. Cause we know what Napa wines cost. And for you, who's tasted a lot of wines at different levels to recommend that. Yeah. Cause uh, I've seen a lot of $20 Napa cab wines that were trash, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and not all yeah, of them. No but doubt. Like the that's ones a tough price range for Napa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't tell everyone, but we post all our guests answers on our social media sites, um, which leads us to our next and last segment. And that's our weekly wine sip. Every week we take a di- we taste a different wine on air. Um, when I have a winemaker, I try to invite them on to bring some uh, of their wines. So, David, this week we're tasting. You were kind enough to send me at the last minute um, your wheelhouse wine, which is the 2016 Magna Carta. Uh, that's your singular cab blend left bank inspired. Tell me a little more about this wine and vintage. Yeah. Yeah. It's 70% cab, 20% Merlot, uh, 5% Cab Franc and two and a half percent each of Malbec and Petit Verdot. Right. That's a real Uh, Bordeaux blend, man. Yeah. 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 It predominantly comes, uh, you know, all the cab comes from Oakville. Uh, the Merlot we get from Carneros, same thing with the Cab Franc. Um, and Stag's Leap, and actually the Petit Brothers from um, from Howl Mountain. So that's where it breaks down. It's uh, you know we use sixty uh, percent new French oak on it. Um, it's great. Uh, we we think we just released it. I guess like last fall. Um, it's it's been it's been great. The reaction's been great. We've been very let, fortunate. Let me to ask have you a question. Of, yep. Um, how many vintages of Magna Carta have you made? We have made a total currently of, was it six, five? And you broke down the blend mix with me. How much does that vary? Do you stick pretty close to what you told yeah. me or it depends on the vintage? Uh, no, no, we're, we're right about it. He- heavy about cab, next Merlot, and then you'll, yeah. you know. Sometimes we in. don't have any Malbec, but most of the times we've, uh, the last uh, few vintages has all been Malbec. Uh, the 14, no Malbec in it. Um, but yeah, the right. uh, percentages of cab are always, uh, they're always, you know, very close. All right. So let's, uh, while we're together and I have it in front of me, let's give it a sniff and throw it over the tongue and let's talk about it. But first color, it's kind of a, you know, deep, dark purple, you know, nice dark edges, right? Yep. Um, you tell me 
stick your schnoz in there. What are we getting on the nose with this particular vintage? Sure. Uh, Cassis, right? You always okay. get a lot of red Cassis. Very typical Napa descriptor. Yep. What else? Dark cherry fruits, I would say. Um, very just dark Really fruits. nice. Yeah, just very nice. Um, I would say it's a, it's a good mix of uh, the red and dark fruits that you would expect from Napa. Okay. The red, not that it's a bright wine, but the red gives it, you know, some of that, you know, brightness on the dark fruits. All right. Let's throw it over the tongue, mouthfeel. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. I get it as pretty full bodied, you know, medium plus or more. I wouldn't use the word unctuous, which, you know, in a sense sometimes is too much, but it's got yeah. a nice mouth filling feel. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, I, I get, you know, nice mild tannins on it, right? Like, yes. you know, soft feeling. Mild integrated. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I really, for me, for what that is, uh, I like it because it's, uh, it's versatile with food. You know, um, all right. Before so, we get really to food that. palate, mm-hmm. you throw it over the tongue again. Do the do the uh, nose descriptors? Are they replicated on the palate, or do you pick up other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I I get the red fruits, but I also get like plum, right? Um, mm-hmm. Nice plum on there. Some raspberry A darker fruit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, Nap has been accused for making these over-the-top, unctuous, cough-syrupy type wines. I mean, I know you wanted to make a left Bordeaux wine. You feel you accomplished that? I mean, is this the level and presentation, you know, that you were looking for? I, I think what we are doing is a good representation of, you know, left bank Bordeaux. I wouldn't say it is, you know... Um, a restrained... Yeah. And it's yeah. not, it's not what it is. It's not, it's not over, over the top. top. No, it's not right. an over the top Napa. And that's not anything we would ever, you know, that's just not our style. I would say. Right. And you it know, is the uh, style of many wines out there. I agree with you on that. It's big, but it's not, you know, uh, too much. Now let's get to pairing. Give me the ideal pairings in your mind for this particular wine and vintage. <laughs> Uh, obviously, you know, steaks are always one. Um, yes. Actually, and I always, juicy uh, burger, juicy burger. And I'll, I'll bring one up. I like sushi. I like sashimi with it, right? Like a red tuna, you know, something like that. I, I agree. You know? I, I agree. You know, I think tuna, I even think some, you know, salmon that has some body. I think it's fine. Yeah. You know, maybe that, not with hamachi or yellowtail, but who cares, right? I mean, that's what no, your you could try it are about too. Yeah. yeah, you could try it out. I mean, you know, this is the one thing I've learned is like everybody has their own palate, right? So, you know, they, they right. taste, everyone's tastes are going to be different. And which is so funny because back in the day, everybody's palates were supposed to be programmed to be the same, whatever Parker said or, you know, like these publications said. And now it's like, it doesn't matter. Um, well, that I, I, I said it. it earlier. I said your approach and you're, you know, reconfirming that it's, it's not what's right. It's not what they said or they did. It's what works. Just try right? it. So, right? if, yeah. you know, if you got a nice piece of fatty Toro, I mean, this will knock yeah. that down pretty nicely. All right. Yeah. So that's the, uh, 2016 Magna Carta proprietary red from Napa. Um, David talked about some of the vineyards, people who make it and all of that. Uh, is it still available? It is. Yep. And best place to get it? Uh, MagnaCartaSellers.com. 
Okay. Website. Uh, go direct there. All right, David, we got to wrap up. I told you to go quickly. We're way over an hour. Let me do a quick wrap up and I want to get some info from you. So if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at the grapenation.com. That's Sam at the grapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Um, I don't want to say I'm begging you to subscribe, but if you just hit the subscribe button, the podcast is going to be there after every new one, you know, comes out and you're all set up. So, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can reach us on Instagram at SBenRuby, on Twitter at BenRuby, but you could always use the hashtag the Grape Nation to get to us. I don't know if I said you could follow us on Facebook at the Grape Nation. Um, as I mentioned, we'll post David's wine list and our weekly wine sip selection on our social media f- sites. Um, David, let's go through this one more time. If we want to follow you on TikTok, what do we do? Uh, you can follow me on Wine with David. Okay. Um, so to get David on TikTok, he's Wine with David. If you want to follow him on other mediums like Instagram, Wine with David too, right? Yep, that's the same with IG. Yep. Okay. Um, and then let's just do the wines one more time. Magna Carta is what? How do we get it online? Oh, it's at Magna Carta, Magna Carta Cellars. Cellars. Okay. Yep. And then Angel Falls? It'd be under, uh, it's at angelfallswines.com. Okay. Um, and that's how you can get to all of that. Um, yep. David's doing some fun stuff on TikTok, so check that out. I mean, that's what attracted me to David. I mean, David's a young guy, and it's a pretty big accomplishment, you know, getting two wineries going, uh, picking up from Washington and moving out west. But the TikTok thing like I said, caught my attention and it's fun. Um, so check that out. I want to thank our guest, David Choi. I want to thank our engineer, Kevin, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Van Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.